get sneaky. Laurie Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here, stuck with me as he has to stare at my face for another, well, one more episode of recording this week, and then that's that's about it. But not too much IndyCar, although we did think there would be no news this week, and then NBC and IndyCar decided to drop a, a, nice, a nice present in our laps, actually before we recorded for once. So thank you to whoever decided to announce that on a Tuesday instead of usually Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, but I'm assuming everybody saw at this point, NBC has re-upped with IndyCar on a multi-year contract where, assuming the race calendar is 17 races, 13 will be on the big NBC network, two will be on USA Network, which for all purposes is essentially replacing NBCSN. John Miller from NBC said that today. And then two races will be Peacock streaming exclusive. So I guess, Matt, before I get your input on on that, a few other notes. I think it was Eric Smith from Race Review Online asked, hey, if there's an 18th race added, where would that race go? Would it be NBC or USA? And there wasn't really too much of an answer given, but he didn't say the John Miller. This is from NBC. Didn't really say, but I kind of got the view that it would be like a USA, or if it was some sort of marquee event, NBC. Definitely not a a streaming only event. And probably the most exciting news: all races are streamed live on Peacock. Even the ones that are on NBC and, what did I say, USA, are all on Peacock. I think that's the best news. So, Matt, your reaction. They're they're, they're using the platform to stream live races? Crazy. What? Wow, that could have like gotten us around so many problems. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly positive. I think for the longest time there, we thought it was going to be CBS until about a month ago. And then there was always Amazon was in play too. But I think given the landscape of everything, I think this is the safest option for now while the industry, as far as TV and whatnot, continues to evolve through this time period. So I know a lot of people are cutting the cord and switching to like internet-based subscriptions, but you know, NBC is not going to go anywhere off of those anytime soon unless they go Sinclair on everybody, which... For those who don't understand that reference, is your local Fox Regional Sports Network, which is now Bally TV, how they price themselves out of everything, which is super annoying. But uh, yeah, I think as a whole, you know, obviously there's your typical negative naysayers. You get 13 races on NBC, but you put two on the and people go nuts. And I have no idea what people want out of that situation i mean i don't see how having because i'm assuming we're still having 18 races i'm keeping my hopes up yeah but i don't i don't know how you take two-thirds of schedule put it on there because we're at this year eight out of 16 i 
think it ends. It actually will end up being nine because I think one got changed from NBCSN to NBC. But yeah, Barber, yeah. So I mean, we're still increasing. TV audiences have been way up this year on NBC, so we get that continuity. People don't have to find a new channel or whatever. I don't have too much wrong with it. All, all looks good to me. Yeah, and listen, the the you know Peacock is five bucks a month if you pay for premium. You you're, you're getting obviously all the sports that are on Peacock plus. You know, there's tons of TVs and movies and stuff. I know we we use it at least a couple times a week as it as it is. So, and I'm, and I'm just talking by we, I mean Meg and I here at, in the house. But, you know, if you think about it, so let's say you just sign up for IndyCar. That's the only, you don't care about movies, TV, you don't care about Tour de France, hockey, whatever else happens to be on there. I don't know, I'm making stuff up now. But five bucks a month for a five, six-month season so that's thirty dollars right there you get every race practice qualifying indie lights race and then two races are exclusively on it so if you're already paying because you're a fan and you want to watch qualifying or indie lights or whatever you're you're already there or if you just pay for let's say that both both of these races are Let's say they're two separate months. So you pay $5 one month, cancel, pay $5 another month, and cancel. You're really only spending 10 bucks at the most to get those two races that otherwise you, you wouldn't see. So I don't think it's a big deal. We're seeing stuff go more streaming-focused streaming in the long run. But getting 13 of hypothetical 17 I'm going to do that math because I can't do math in my head to save my life here. 13 divided by 17 is 70, just over 75%, 76% of your races. So three quarters of the races are on NBC, two are in USA. So that's 15 to 17. You know, that's close to 90% of the races on TV already. So I, I honestly was expecting a lot worse. I was expecting like, eight or nine maybe 10 nbc and the rest fully peacock so i was pleasantly surprised today i i I, i'm i'm happy with the way it's going nbc's done great things for indycar that obviously like you mentioned the tv numbers are really good this year so i'm i think it's i think it's a big win for indycar as we kind of hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to this coronavirus and impacting businesses and and whatnot. Yeah, I hear everything you just said. I was just thinking in my head that from now on, I'm just going to call it. No, no, I'm going to bleep that one. It's definitely (laughs) both times getting bleeped because there are about four of them. Every time I say the it's going to get bleeped and people people are going to get so confused. Yeah. Uh, I think that's part of the fun. Yeah, actually, before I... uh, go on to the remainder of our episode because like we said we don't really have a whole lot to talk about this week i had another non-racing question to ask you and it's a food one and i imagine that people are not going to be very thrilled with me and i accept that that's fine but we got talking in the group about gravy and if you like like gravy gravy, turkey and gravy mashed potatoes and gravy gravy and biscuits whatever you want you know white gravy i don't even know what you is it brown gravy yeah. Um, whatever you call it. Do you like gravy on certain food items, and is it something that you couldn't live without? Yes, I like it. 
I could also live without it. I, it's not like a maker. Like it wouldn't break my life if it never existed. Because for the longest time, I did on uh, Thanksgiving, I did barbecue sauce with my turkey. <laughs> now that's that is just I cannot allow that's uh, that's pretty screwed up. I I <laughs> I I really am at a loss for words with that one. But I well, mean, listen, it's just dry ass turkey. It's just. Yeah, I, I that's, but but it's okay, okay. But it has been several years because I think it's been like six or seven years actually. Because my family now, they my dad and mom have a, a turkey breast fryer, so they take like one of the I don't know how many like six pound turkey breasts and then yeah. just fry it, deep fry it in peanut oil. Oh, I'm never gonna go back to baked turkey ever again now, and. I imagine a like twenty pound turkey fry, like a whole turkey fryer, probably is not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so then I didn't do gravy before. I'm definitely not doing gravy now. Uh, with mashed potatoes, I do butter. Yep, I agree. Butter, butter on mashed potatoes, a hundred percent. And actually, Sammy's got me into loaded mashed potatoes now, so melted cheese and bacon on that too. Okay, I can live with that. With biscuits. I slice it in half and put egg, cheese, and bacon on it, so I don't need no gravy for that. I like biscuits and gravy, but I also like don't swear by them, so I, I would agree with you again on this one. But I imagine there are several people at home right now rolling their eyes. Oh, yeah. there's probably I know there's tons of gravy fans out there. I just don't understand why. Do you know what's infuriating is that like some hardcore Italian people maybe like Crazy Jack in in the Xbox League that call marinara sauce gravy and it's so annoying. No, he doesn't. And I'm part Italian. Does he really? I don't know if Jack does, but I mean Italian people and they're so. Oh, Italian you're just lumping him do. in with all Italians. Yeah, sorry, Jack. I, I mean no offense. <laughs> mean no offense by that, but you're like the one Italian guy in the group that I know is Italian. So I'm see, just last week you didn't give me here. shit about lumping you in with all Philly fans. Uh, I'm I am very abnormal when it comes to Philly fans and the sports I like because I, don't, I like, don't like half the teams. Well, you do, but you also don't send death threats to people every time they no. miss a completion. No, no. I, I also don't expect the Eagles to do well this year, and I don't really care. Oh, that's okay. All right. Well, oh, I have one for you. Oh, oh go I ahead. Have one for you, and I, I is it food? No, it was not food. I am hungry now, though. I do. Yeah, we're gonna go I, eat right after this. So I have been known to eat an entire family-sized thing of mashed potatoes on my own. That's how much I like them. Good God, are you a are you okay with microwave mash or does it have to be like hand mash? Uh, I I like mashed potatoes so much I don't care. I eat them off the sidewalk. I'm exactly the same. I do like Sammy thinks it's super weird, but like we just grew up with microwave mash. It's fine with me. Yeah. I Actually, mean, like something I, like when hand mash isn't finely handed enough. If that's a word. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like if it's like when there's chunk- the chunks in it, yeah, yeah. When it's chunks in there, no thanks. Yeah, that's that's fair. I I I I'm annoyed at how much I'm agreeing with you on food right now because that's usually not. I say, the I'm case. like a Neanderthal when it comes to food, so. But I do agree with you. I mean, although, you know, my mom and my aunt Renee on my my mom's sister are fantastic cooks and cook amazing mashed potatoes. So, if I was at their house, I would not want the microwavable stuff, but. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There, there's microwavable mashed potatoes in my fridge right now. So There you go. All right. Well, back to racing. So we were yeah. just brainstorming something to talk about this week, and we decided to come up with kind of a 
not so much a debate topic, but just a discussion topic of if we could have in this modern era of IndyCar any five drivers, dead or alive, race like so talking IndyCar drivers, dead or alive, race in this modern era of IndyCar and five tracks on the schedule in this modern era of IndyCar, what would we have? And so we split it down the middle. So I got three drivers and two tracks, and then Mike had three tracks and two drivers. So we will start with the drivers. We'll go one at a time here. So the one that instantly flew to the top of my list for drivers that I would love to see in this era is Greg Moore. I think given the era that he raced in, that is somewhat kind of sort of similar, but not his era was not as specky as it is now. Uh, I think he would massively excel in this environment of IndyCar. I think he would massively excel at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I think he'd be a phenomenal talent there. It is such a shame that we never got to see him race the Indy 500. And, you know, on the whole, I think he would still be able to compete with the best of them. All right, I'll jump in. I'm going to go a little bit more old school with this driver. Eddie Sachs competed in the late 50s, early 60s before tragically passing away in the 1964 Indy 500. There's a great book on it, Black Black Noon, I believe it's called. I read it in two days, and I never read books that quick. So if you haven't read it, I highly, 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 highly recommend it. It's really interesting. But Eddie Sachs was kind of a, a, a badass driver, you know, didn't give two Fs about anything, went full throttle, didn't care about anybody else out there, and I would really like to see what what somebody like him could do in in modern times, even even if it was like somewhat modern times. But yeah, I I was always I'm always fascinated with with Eddie Sachs stories and articles and books and whatnot. I think he's an had an interesting background coming into racing. So I don't want to I, I won't spend too much time on it. But Eddie Sachs is one for. You youths out there that maybe don't know too much about him, and I'm not singling you out, Matt. I know you didn't know the name too well beforehand, but it's worth it's worth investigating. He's he's a pretty interesting guy. Now listen here, just because I wasn't alive for the 1964 Indy 500 like you, doesn't mean you have to give me crap about it. I'm just giving you crap because last night you were like, I didn't know that name. No, I knew the name. I didn't know that he okay. died. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. All right. All right. No, yeah, uh, yeah. You're like, because I was like, yeah, we were talking about who we should pick, and and I'm like, wait, Eddie Sachs died? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I knew his name, yeah. though, at the very least. All right. Next one for me, I think Danny Sullivan in his prime would have been absolutely glorious in this era, not only for his drivability, but he's, you know, he's kind of got that Joseph Newgarden kind of feel to him where a lot of people think he's a good looking dude and very marketable, things like that. I think for me personally, Danny Sullivan, you know, obviously had the famous spin and win and a championship too, but I think he is one of the most underappreciated drivers in Team Penske history with what he was able to do. The year that he got iced out and had to go elsewhere, I think he went to Alfa Romeo Patrick the year he left Penske. Um I am still shocked to this day, looking back on that, how he was the one who was kind of iced out of the operation because he was actually still doing very well and, in my opinion, better than his teammates. So I'm not quite sure how that happened, but uh, I think he would also do very well in this era of racing. All right. My last driver 
is Roberto Guerrero. Obviously had a decent amount of success in the late 80s and early 90s. Obviously his accident also kind of prevented him from having further success. And he's one that, if healthy and racing now, I think would be you know, a, a perennial front runner year after year. Drove great cars, always, you know. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Didn't win the 500, but finished second a couple times. So second at least once. I can't remember now that I'm actually talking about him, but... Another guy that I find I find very interesting to watch old races of his and and how good he was, mainly prior to the accident and unfortunate that it happened. And then my last one, I'm actually going old school, which is weird for me. I'm going Jim Clark. Oh, great pick! Yeah, I think what did he ended up winning? He ended up winning like a third of the Formula One races he entered, and the reason he yeah. counts as an IndyCar driver is because Formula One sanctioned the or somehow <laughs> I don't know how the Indy 500 was a Formula One race, and I think it was 1965 he won with the rear engine Lotus, and was an unbelievable driver, unbelievable talent. I think the only potential knock I would have on him in these cars is that he never raced in anywhere close to a spec era. So I don't know if that would translate or whatnot, but just on a talent standpoint, the guy was unbelievable. So I imagine he would have no problem getting up to speed in his prime in a current indie car. And, you know, he also loved to jump in anything that had four wheels and an engine because it was the tragic accident that killed him he was actually in a f2 car i believe or whatever the equivalent of an f2 car back in the day was so he wasn't even in the top series even though he was a formula champion he was still just racing whatever so i think he would do quite well in this era i agree that's a great pick all right so i had oh no 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 no, we're not done there oh gotta throw you one now so we're entering a race with eddie Sachs, roberto guerrero 
Greg Moore, Danny Sullivan, and Jim Clark in this era of IndyCar, and they're all on the same team. Who is going to win at, let's just say, Road America? Jim Clark. Really? I, I, yeah. If you're, yeah. I would agree. Who would win at, um, I guess, I was trying to think of an oval. We only got like three to pick from. So I guess who would win at Indianapolis? I would go a toss-up between Eddie Sachs and Greg Moore. I would say Greg Moore would probably get my vote on that one. So, man, that would be cool to see. Yeah, great. Good question. All right, so. Like I mentioned, like Matt mentioned, we'll do tracks. I'll start off first, go with a local one, Nazareth Speedway. Just a, a, a hair over a mile track. IndyCar has proven to be quite the show on shorter tracks like Iowa over the past couple of years. Unfortunately, no Iowa this year. Fingers crossed it comes back. So I think I you know, obviously for many selfish reasons, but I would I think Nazareth would be a lot of fun with the current IndyCar. Yep, I agree. I hope it'd be more like Iowa and less like Phoenix, but I think they could be able to make some passes there. I would say on my list, another modern-ish one would be, what modern-ish but also classic would be Watkins Glen. Uh, on my venue ranking list that I just came out with on YouTube, please go check that out and subscribe. I had Watkins Glen as my fourth best venue since 2012 it's just got everything you would want in a road course and like i said historic so it's got that lure to it that way and i think it would be a great show for indycar to go back there i'm glad you mentioned that one because it was i was torn about putting it in there and i kind of figured once i saw your video which by the way please go to our youtube and check it out there a lot of fun that you would cover that one so i i skipped over it second on the list for me is mexico city autodromo uh herman rodriguez hermanes rodriguez i have a typo in my text here so that's why i stumbled for a second i just think that would be really fun and i unfortunately mark miles today so we're kind of not really looking at mexico but can you imagine the crowd that race would would bring in the excitement Pato Award would just he I mean he bring he brought a boatload of people to another track actually that's on my on my list in in more recent times so I think that one would be really fun I think Mexico would would be a a great crowd and a, a good a good place to throw a, a race yeah Mexican sports fans rock so I yes. think they would definitely come out and show some love to IndyCar if they went back there so that's cool. Uh, my second and final pick for tracks would be Michigan. I think Michigan is a fun race. It would be one that would work quite well with this aero package, in my opinion, because it would be plenty of time for cars to draft. And I also don't think it would be a pack race by any stretch of the imagination with this current aero package, which is also a plus yeah. and an incentive to go back there. Obviously, conflicts with Belle Isle and funding and primary sponsorship and a whole host NASCAR. of other things. Yeah, but I don't see it happening anytime soon, obviously, but it would be cool if one day they did decide to go back. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was another one I was torn with. 
my last one, I was really trying to find a track from like the 1920s, like real old school. I actually almost put a board track on here, but just thought that was kind of unrealistic in every, like not even realistic enough to put on the list. So I went with Circuit of the Americas. Obviously, they only got there once. Last year was canceled because of COVID. Not on this year. I hope it comes back. The facility itself is top-notch. The racing was pretty good, and I think given another year, the cars would have adapted even more, and I do also like the city of Austin. So I think that one would be great. Pato brought a large contingent of fans to Austin, Texas. I think had a whole Pato section or like Pato ticket package sort of thing. So that would be you know a good way to draw in the crowd that doesn't really show up to Texas Motor Speedway. <laughs> Oops. I think that's that's about it. So out of those five, so we had Watkins Glen, Michigan, Nazareth, Mexico City, and Coda. Which one, hypothetically, pretend pretend you are Mark Miles, are you going, I have, and let's also pretend that Nazareth isn't decrepit and falling apart. Really, at this point, it's more of a, it more just a few buildings are left standing, if that. Would you say, I have, we have to go there, we have to make it work? I would say Michigan. I think Michigan would be... A lot of fun. Uh, me as a fan, I would almost want to say Coda because Austin sounds like a really fun city to go to and hang out. Yeah. And then obviously the facility is really nice. But me as kind of just a guy who loves ovals and loves the history of IndyCar, I think Michigan would be a lot of fun and would put on a great race for fans and show off that speed element that IndyCar loves to show off. So I, I want to pick Nazareth because it's 45 minutes from my house, but being that it would need a lot, like, years of work to get back in shape. I will go with Watkins Glen. Keep it in the Northeast. Watkins Glen always draws a good crowd. The track is amazing. I've never actually been there, but I've driven past the exit on the highway to get to and from Toronto, so I would love to go up there. It's top of, top of my, one of, the, one of the top of my bucket lists of tracks that are actually still in existence. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Matt, anything else? Negative. All right. Well, I don't think there's, like, any racing this weekend, which is a super bummer. I don't think there's, like, even Formula E or Extreme E, which is awful, but we'll save that discussion for the off season. Anyway, guys, have a lovely weekend. We will be back next week with another episode. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. 
Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.